So continuing on, we're still in verse 10. The love of money, the lust for money, the excessive desire. Lust is used for covetousness and for sexual sins. We understand those drawings, okay? It means going beyond what the gift was intended for. Uh huh. So people need to understand this. If you go beyond, that means you've transgressed God's word. You've taken what God has created, the creation, and worshipped it more than God. That's what he said in Romans. God made all of these things. Initially, they were good. But man perverts them in his wicked nature. He misuses them. His pleasures and things that he created, they twist. And the demons agitate him and stir him on. See, so he worships to creation more than the creator. And that's why he says, those who forget me, I'll turn into hell. All the pleasures and things you twisted, I gave them. And you misused them. And you twisted them. And you made them evil. And you're going to answer for it at Judgment Day. So the longing, the coveting, the pursuing has caused many to already wander from the Christian faith and their duty and love of God. We see that more in the end times now. And we see so many, most Christians, many in the prosperity movement, many in the once saved always, they're false Christians. Uh-huh, I don't mind saying it. That's why I only have less than a handful of people listen to me. They don't want to hear it, most people. But at Judgment Day, availability, the Lord's going to hold them account. Say, so you had it, you just didn't want to listen to it. Jesus said, men love darkness better than light, and they will not come to the light. He didn't say you have to, because he talks about there were some who sought righteousness, and they wanted to be accepted by God, and he accepted that. You're talking before the gospel even, okay? And he accepted that. But as a whole, he said, mankind rather enjoy themselves and do as they please. But they don't have to. Yeah. They choose to, okay? So God said, and Christ said, you cannot worship Mammon and Christ. Mammon was the God of riches. That's why he uses that term. You love your money. Oh, but we're faithful and we love the Lord. Hmm. Of all the kings, the wicked kings, every one of them became idolatrous, except for David. And there were a few other ones that were right. There was one that was more righteous than David in his personal life. I think it was Josiah or someone. Scripture said there was none like him before or after. Isn't that astounding? Uh-huh. But all the rest. And even the first king saw that God destroyed spiritually. He was not an open idolater. He actually punished soothsayers and witches and anybody propagating publicly false religion. Saul went after him. But because he disobeyed the Lord constantly and rebelled, the prophet told him, Samuel, your sin is it's a sin of witchcraft and rebellion. You've sided with the devil because you have not obeyed God. And after being tested five or six times, and he lived as king for 40 years, God rejected him, and his spirit left him, and sent an evil spirit to antagonize him, spirit of fear and terror, 
That was the consequence. And he was once the anointed of the Lord. Uh-huh. Solomon was anointed by God greatly. And he died. It said his wives turned his heart away from the Lord unto idols. He's not in heaven. <laughs> no. Many lying people quote some scriptures to prove he's uh, saved. They prove nothing. End of Cleasthes, they quote. And he says, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Well, he knew that, but he didn't do it. And he tells us, if you read the scripture, he said, I experimented with sins and my wisdom stood with me. God didn't take the wisdom from him, but he was a wicked sinner. And at the end of his life, his wives, it is supposed that some of them offered his own children from his body as sacrifices to Baal and other gods, the god of fire. You think he made it into the kingdom? I think not. So, verse 11. But flee from these things. He's just told us, you man of God. Now pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love him, gentleness. I'll come back to this later if I go into another verse. But this part about fleeing these things, you man of God. He's talking to Timothy now. Flee what? The desire to be rich in this world. Pursue and seek righteousness, spiritual things. The graces of God is what he's told. Okay, So he was called in commission, and Paul's going to remind him of this. To flee or run from the things that can seduce or overwhelm us as we ponder them too long. Uh -huh. See, people, they get temptations and they keep pondering them instead of rejecting them and putting them away. Christ's spirit, you're to reject these things. They come, they come as temptations. But many temptations become the sin of the heart, even though they're not done outwardly, because they meditate and ponder them and enjoy it. Okay? Lust for money, sexual lust, power, pride of life, they're very easy to fall into. Mm -hmm. As I've said before, and I've heard many times years ago, you cannot help it if a bird lands on your head, but you can keep him from building a nest. So we can't help the temptations that come to us. We reject them. We put on the armor of Christ. We put them down. We subdue them. That's what it means to overcome. And if you're not overcoming, you're not going to make it into the kingdom. All the seven churches, he told each one of them promises if you overcome. And he told them what would happen if they didn't overcome. Okay? You don't find no greasy grace once saved religion in Revelations. And I'm sorry to say, and that's why Martin Luther did not think that the book of Revelations was true scripture, because he was a heretic just like the Catholic priest. He just went into another heresy. Oh, I've had arguments with that with people, but that's true. Go search it. And I've given the proof to people, and they don't come back because they don't acknowledge the truth. So if we flee and run, that's good. If we don't and we start listening, they come as powerful seductions, more powerful. Whether lust for things, or sex, or money, or the pride of life, 
That's how they come. That's the world we live in. That's the corrupt world. The world, the flesh, and the devil is what the Christian has to deal with. The pride of life. People glory in what and who they are and what they've accomplished in this world. It don't mean nothing to God. Yeah. They think, oh, what I've accomplished. People admire me. Has nothing spiritual in it. Oh, it does in the world. That's why I captivate it. They're not interested in who you are. Who you are, what you have, and when you come into a fellowship, means nothing to God. Only stupid and false Christians play up to these people. They should put them out of the church. They don't conform, get rid of them. That's the world. You don't bring the world into the fellowship. Of course, we don't have many fellowships anymore that are really lampstands of the Lord. What we have attained in this world, keeping up with the Joneses, uh huh. This is pride and covetousness. What else does it produce? Jealousy, envy, resentments, because they've gotten you don't. That's what got Ananias and Sapphira's killed. It's believed that, studied the history, that Barnabas was a very rich man. And when he came to the Lord, he gave up everything to the apostles to give to the church, to the body of Christ. And everybody admired him because he did it, because they knew how wealthy he was. And Ananias and Sapphira saw this, and they wanted people to think of them the same way. So what did they It said they believed. They were Christians. So they gave their money away and told people they gave everything like Barnabas did. And they kept back part. And Peter said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit and struck them dead. Uh-huh. He told them why you had it was your money. And you could have given half and that would have been fine. But you had people believe out of your pride and your evil that you as good as Barnabas. And you wanted the praise like the Pharisees that loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. So they reverted back to the old nature. And God struck them dead. And they went to hell. They weren't saved or punished and went to uh uh-uh. Because fear came upon the church. Fear of what? You don't play with God. You don't play with his grace. He might make an example of you like he did Ananias and Sophia. And they could have given any part of their money and didn't have to tell anybody, anybody, just say, we're given this. And that would have been wonderful. But they became liars and hypocrites. And God decided to make an example of them, like he did Pharaoh and Saul and others. He has the right to take wicked when they sin wickedly He can extend grace or he can judge them. And sometimes he chooses to harden. But God never hardens a person who hasn't hardened himself toward God first. He doesn't do it arbitrary. He just doesn't pick a person and say, oh, I'm going to, well, that's a lot of demonic teaching that God has ordained to heaven and hell before people are ever born. That's a demonic teaching. And if your teacher and pastor teaches that, he's of the devil. I have no problem saying that. Okay, he's not misguided. He's deceived by demons. So we see that it produces envy, jealousies, resentments in the world. Okay, so this love and pursuit of monies 
gives one the ability to act and do without regard to God and his will. See? Most Christians, at times, we have to pray for this and that and get God's approval and blessing. But if you have lots of money, you don't have to. You do what you want to do. It produces self-conceit, self-indulgence. You get like the Laodicea. I am wealthy and have need of nothing. And they don't say it, but what they're saying is, and I don't need you either, God. I've got enough. <laughs> and the demons deceive them, and they go to hell, okay? So our loving God, we got to remember, the foundation of loving God is not moods, emotions, singing, and affection. That's what most people in gatherings believe it is. They're deceived, okay? We're going to go to First John. First, we're going to go further down. First John 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Oh, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not grievous. They're only grievous to the greedy, the covetousness, the self-willed. That's who the, <laughs> and that's the harder route for them. Uh-huh. He didn't say the love of God is a feeling, is a mood, is an affection, is singing wonderful hymns and songs. All of those things are wonderful if it's based on this. But if you do not obey the Lord and his will, all of this is garbage to him. Like he told the Old Testament people, I hate your music, I hate your offerings, your instruments, your worship. Because you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. They get punished more for being hypocrites. Oh, so the majority of people you see going to institutional churches, most of them are hypocrites and liars. They just don't know it because they're not serving the Lord. They worship. They do things because they feel they should do this. But when they get out, they do what they want to do. And they think God's going to bless them. He's going to punish them double for their wickedness, okay? And then let's go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Now by this we know him, if we keep his commandment. So you cannot love God or know him properly if you don't keep his commandment. That means you obey him. That means he's Lord and you obey him. That's what fruitfulness is on the vine. That's what James is talking about when he says works. He means spiritual works. You have to produce the life of Christ. You have to prove it. He ain't interested in your lip service. James makes it very plain. He said, if you claim to be a Christian and you see some Christian in dire need and you can help them and you don't, he said, how can the love of God dwell in you? And then he also says, can this kind of Christianity save you? He said, no. He's saying you're not even saved. See, because you've not understood who you are and what God requires of you. Okay? He makes it very plain. Paul says the same thing in a different way, and we'll get to that. So the foundation, verse 4. He who says, I know God, I'm in fellowship with him, I love him, and does not keep his word, his commandments, is a liar 
and the truth is not in him. He can claim all the born again, once saved, always saved experiences that he's had, and it doesn't mean nothing. He's a liar. He may have once had it. He don't have it no more. Uh So if he does not keep God's commandments, and he knows what they are, and if he's not led of the Spirit and the Lord, they said, these are the sons of God, those who are led of his Spirit. That's progressive. He didn't say the person that said the sinner's prayer. There is no sinner's prayer. You enter the race. You confess Jesus always. Uh There's no one saved, always saved. These are lies from demons. There is no eternal security. You can't find that in Scripture. Uh It's propagated by lying shepherds to pacify people. Uh So if you don't keep God's word and you're not led of the Lord, you're not his, you're not his child, you're not his servant, you're not his slave. And if you're not, what does God say? I'll turn into hell, all of those who forget me. That should produce a little fear of the Lord, shouldn't it? So all of your moods and emotions and giving and fellowship doesn't mean anything if you're not obeying the Lord and trying to find his will and doing what you know he wants. Don't go to any gathering. Don't make a hypocrite out of yourself. Live for the world like the Laodiceans did and get cast out. Because Jesus is saying, I'd rather you live for the world rather than you be in between and a hypocrite. Because Jesus said, the hypocrite shall receive the greater damnation. Hmm. That ought to scare a few people, huh? And remember Jesus said, you are my disciples a condition, if. They don't like the if, do they? If you do what I tell you. What does that mean? You keep his word and will. You keep his commands. Otherwise, you are not mine. And so when the multitude of professing Christians say, Lord, Lord, oh, they believe that mentally. But Jesus said, but I never knew you, ye workers of lawlessness. You did not do the will of my Father. And they talked about all the good works they did. He didn't accept it because I never knew you. You were never regenerated. You never sought me or stayed with me. You were never truly born again. You did not do the will of God. You notice he didn't say you didn't believe. They did believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed he was Lord. They were saying, Lord, Lord. They were raised to believe that. Jesus died on the cross, raised again, if we confess him. But see, they take Scripture out of context. The devils know who Jesus is, James says. But they don't save them. They know probably a little more than we do. They recognize him. And when he cast demons out of some of them, some of the demons said, have you come to torment us before the time? They recognized him as Jehovah, the Holy One of Israel. Not just the Son of God, they knew who was in him. And they know he's the great judge. He'll have the final say in everybody. He has the keys of the kingdom. And they said, oh, you come to torment us before the appointed time. They didn't say you've come for God. They say you've come. They reckon one of some of the demons and Jesus told them to shut up. They said things that the disciples didn't know yet. They said, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of Israel. Who was the Holy One of Israel? It's Jehovah God. 
and Jesus is quiet. He didn't need uh, praise and, and confession from demons. And finally, Peter is the first one. Jesus said, what do the people say that I am? They say, you're Elijah, you're John, you know, they wanted a prophet. And the Lord said, but who do you say I am, Peter? And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of, and he said, heaven, earth did not reveal this to you. You got this from father. He knew it was spiritual. He said, that's how you got it. Uh So those demons knew who Jesus was. A long time before even the disciples knew he was. (laughs) They thought he was a prophet, a savior. They didn't know to the extent until the end that he was very God, limited in a human body, in a human life. Mm -hmm. Then they understood. Okay. So the love of God basically should be taught. It's not a feeling, an affection, a mood. It's not praising and giving. They're not the foundation. All of those things are vain and don't mean nothing to God if a person does not obey him. So again, he makes it plain. Don't call me Lord. Don't think you're my disciple if you don't do what I tell you. And he also says, you're my friends if you do what I tell you. He makes it plain. A child of God is a servant and a slave. People don't like that, but it's true. You obey me. And a slave back then and further did just what they were told, or they could be put to death or sold. Uh huh. They knew what their duty was to do whatever their master told them to do. Okay. So during Jesus' time in the Roman Empire, people understood slavery a lot better than we do. They understood these things. So the multitude of judgment day will still be saying, Lord, Lord, because they believe that mentally. But remember, he said, you did not do. The word do means work, obey, follow. Uh-huh. People don't like that word work because they're false Christians. We are saved by faith alone. There's no scripture that says that. Actually, James clarifies it and says, we are not saved by faith alone, but by works. And Paul said the same thing. Whoever you obey is who your master is. Talk about faith without nothing. Talk about that. Uh huh. Lion shepherds, okay? All of them confessed Jesus as Lord. Didn't do him any good. Following one's will as to what Christ wants, they wouldn't do. So in our democracies, In Western world, we're taught a lot about freedom and independence. Well, in the world, that may be good. Mm -hmm. But with Christ, you don't have voting matters. And your opinion doesn't mean that much. He might answer you, or he might tell you, mind your own business, do what I tell you. You'll understand if you get spiritual. The disciples were afraid to ask Jesus certain questions because he had already taught them on it, and he'd get mad at them and angry. Remember, he said, how often you're stiff, you're hardened and you don't listen to what I'm telling you. He wasn't sweet Jesus 24 hours a day. He rebuked them at times and told them off. He told Peter, you're the devil speaking to me now. Shocked Peter. So they would put John up to asking questions. They figured he was younger and Jesus may not be as hard with him as he would with Peter and the older ones. They should know better. 
So people have a misconception of who Jesus is and what he thought, okay? Now we go back, we're going to verse 12. We'll come back to 11 in a little bit. Fight the good fight of faith. Now he's talking to Timothy, which applies to us. Take hold of eternal life to which you are called, and you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight. Uh huh. Your Christian life is a pilgrimage. It's a warfare. Don't let the lion shepherds tell you otherwise. Oh, I've had people come against me because I use this word. We are on probation. Oh, they don't like that. One person, well, I couldn't serve the Lord if I was. You can't serve the Lord. You believe false doctrine. You believe because you said this little prayer, you're saved forever. And you can live as you want, and you'll just lose some rewards. You're a child of the devil. Okay? We are on probation in this world to prove our loyalty to God. We have to enter the race, continue the race, and finish the race obeying the Lord. We have to prove loyalty, which is faithfulness. Perseverance and faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And people who tell you otherwise are lying ministers. Okay? You believed a lie. Because your carnal nature wants to believe it. People want to license the sin. They got the best religion going, they know. I've got salvation, but I can live like the devil here. It don't matter. It's all God's grace. They pervert the grace of God to their own damnation. That's why many of them don't get saved. These teachers, God turns them over the lying spirits. Look at all the multitudes they're deceiving. You don't see many of them come back in the latter parts of their life. Uh-uh. They destroyed inside. And God keeps records. And one of his judgments is to allow a person to be deceived and think he's a Christian and die and go to hell. That's one of his punishments. They cannot understand spiritual things, but they'll say, Lord, Lord, okay? So we have to fight. We have a warfare against the flesh, the world, and the devil. Not only do devils tempt us and take advantage of us, the world system wants us to conform. Jesus said the world loves its own, but they'll hate you because you require righteousness, and a different kind of life. And they want to be independent. And they want to live for themselves and be happy and be able to pursue happiness because my constitution tells me that. Mm -hmm. But that won't do you no good in the spiritual realm. Might give you some freedom in this realm, but it ain't going to pull no water in the spiritual realm because you'll obey the Lord and you're his slave whether you like it or not. Uh That'll sort of humble you. And then the flesh is within us, the carnal nature that is drawn towards sin. For no reason at times, we feel it rise up. And that's why he says, flee fornication. and cover. At times, it so overwhelms you don't sit there and argue with it. You don't try to stand up and fight. Uh, Paul said, flee from it. Yeah. You flee from that seduction. You don't entertain it. Uh-huh. That's what he's talking about. Because it's overwhelming. So we fight against it. 
And only when we die or we're raptured, the old man is left behind. He's not there anymore. So when we enter heaven, we can never be tempted, no more than God can be tempted. There's no more testing. But it's only left behind during the rapture or when a person dies in Christ. It's there all the time. It's a corrupt nature. And we keep it in its place. Paul said, if you by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit living in you, put to death the works of the flesh, you will live. And if you don't, you'll die spiritually. So he recognizes that inner law and that inner corruption, but he says, sin shall not have dominion over you. It can't rule you. You have the ability to say no, and you have the power to say no, and he expects you to use it. And if you don't use it, it does not work, okay? So we fight against the flesh, the world, and the devil, the branch in the vine, Christ must remain in the vine. We must remain in the vine by loving Christ. And that is summed up by keeping, doing, working his will and his word. Does it say believing? See, the word believing that John uses almost 60 times in this gospel, it's a believing word that means you conform, you obey. It wasn't just a mental, oh, I believe. You believed in the Lord, so you submit to the Lord to follow him. You were a traitor. You were in the Satan's kingdom, and now you've come into his kingdom, and so you're going to submit to him. You're going to obey him. You're not going to live like the devil in his camp. It's not going to happen. The branch will be cut off. So when you see that word, I have many people say, well, I believe in God. I say, well, the devils believe that. Don't save them. Do you believe to obey? Then you don't have proper Christianity if you don't. It's not all irresistible grace. It's not grace and faith alone. They're lying shepherds, okay? The branch must bear fruit, and that is the life of Christ and spiritual things. That's what James would call spiritual works. That's what Paul calls obeying righteousness. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll go there. Oh, I know I use many of these scriptures all the time. I'm not coming to bring you new things. If you've been with me long enough, you're not going to find a lot of new things. You're going to find a lot of repetition. Because a lot of new things just give you intellectual information, and you can seek that on your own. I'm not wasting my time. I don't care who the ninth king of Israel was and the fourth king of Judah. That's not going to keep me with God or keep me out of the kingdom. Those are good informations, and they have reason. I'm interested in what keeps me in Christ today in this dark world we live in. That's what's important. You can study these other things on your own time, but I'm not going to waste time. I mean, people tell me you should do this, you should do that, and I go, you should get saved. I want to say that to them, but sometimes I'm gracious enough to give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay? Romans 6. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey. So he's already telling you you're a slave, whether you like it or not. Whether of sin to death, if you obey sin, it leads to eternal death. Or if you obey obedience to righteousness, that means following Christ. 
practical righteousness. Holiness is practical righteousness. So people can talk about all this righteousness in Christ on his right hand. It don't mean nothing. You don't have practical holiness. You don't have it if you don't use it. Uh-huh. You have passive grace. You have passive Christianity, like the multitudes. But active Christianity obeys, do, works, bears fruit, follows the Lord. It's active. Okay, so Paul tells you, you're a slave. Whether you like it or not, I don't know who you are. You're a slave to sin or you're a slave to the Lord. You're in one of the kingdoms. And you're always going to be, okay? Well, people don't like that. So uh, Paul's saying, it's whoever you obey. He's in perfect agreement with James. They don't have no arguments against each other. If you believe in Christ Jesus and confess him, then you prove it by following him. Or you're not a Christian, very plain and simple. Or you stop being one. Or your confession is worthless and you do not know Christ. And most professing Christians, he's going to say, I never knew you. Uh He's going to tell them that. And they claim they were Christians, okay? But he doesn't. So I repeat much. Now, if you read all of Christ's words, you could do it in an hour or two. And Jesus, for three years, went from town to town and village to village, repeating the same things. He didn't come up with nothing new. His message. Like I say, you could read it in a couple hours. Took him three years. And he'd changed the stories and made it interesting but he always kept to the spiritual truth in doing it. That's why in some Gospels, the parables are different. Add or take something from them. He has the right to do that. Teachers have a right to do that, okay? We're not parrots. We don't have to verbatim do everything. Even the prophets, God gave them things. Sometimes he said, tell them just this. Other times he says, go and tell them, and he let them use their own words. Uh He trusted them, okay? So remember, uh-huh, I'm reminding you, like Peter said, I wrote this epistle, lest you forget. So where we're at in this great darkness of Lot and Noah, we need to hold on to what we know. We don't need a lot of new stuff. You need that to remind you how to stay with the Lord, how to live godly and holy, because otherwise you're not going to make it in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. That's what we need, and we need often, okay? In closing, though, we'll talk about Eve, what was Eve's failure? She took, she ate the fruit she was told not to, and she gave it to her husband, and he ate. She ate the forbidden fruit. And when God asked her, what have you done? The literal response says, if you go back, you will find it real clever. I did eat, for the serpent caused me to forget. Ah, some translations say he deceived me. Well, yeah, but the original tells you how he deceived her. She knew God's commandment, don't eat. But he captivated her and told her what she would know and what she would get. And he promised her other things. And she forgot about the command of God, don't eat. (laughs) Very simple command, don't eat. And he caused me to forget. I saw all these, she started to covet. 
She started to want something that she thought God didn't want her to have, but she wanted to know it because it will make me know God better. See, we think we're more religious than God. And she did eat, okay? Because he caused her to forget. And Peter said, I'm writing my epistles to remind you of what you already know. So when people tell me, well, you need to teach, I said, I don't need to do anything. I need to do what the Lord tells me to do. And I don't need to teach you big lessons on praise and worship and all this. If you're right, what I teach, you'll do those things. But if you're not, all that stuff don't mean nothing. Mm -hmm. Don't mean a thing. So if your foundation's not right, and I try to deal with the foundation, you keep the world word of God and you do as well. Then everything else you can build on. If you don't do those two things, all your Christianity is worthless. Okay? Well, people don't like that. Well, that's just really too bad. So professing is not enough. There are many professing Christians, backslidden, once saved Christians. They get caught up in Bible knowledge, information, intellectual pursuits, but they do not obey and what they know to do, so are deceived by lying spirits, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. So that's where we're at. That's the majority of the people. Okay, we will go ahead and close. Let's stop at 12a, because I want to continue on this later. Okay? Lord, give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us the truth that we can follow you in this dark world. In Jesus' name, amen.